Hello and welcome back to the FEZ show. We are back. It's been a while. I know it's been a while, but we are back in business. We are here to review the Saudi Arabian E-Prix, both races. Tons of stuff has happened. My name is Jack George Maynard. With me today, as always, is the one and only Jack Pickering. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while since you've uh, flattered me like that in your intros, Jack. Uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's 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 uh, good to be back, and uh, yeah, can't wait to get stuck into it. Yeah, I know. It's just you know, lots of things have been happening in the FEZ, like paddock arena whatever you want to call it right the magazine new stuff and then obviously other commitments that we've got just finding a time to actually do a show has been a bit tricky but we're back we're going to try and be a bit more regular now as we head up towards rome and stuff like that so let's get into the show and what i want to talk about first is we're not even going to talk about the race because i want to talk about saudi arabia jack now obviously i didn't believe this i don't think you believe this either like when we first you know, saw the stories of it. It was about this airstrike. And the reason why we brought this up, because obviously Saudi Arabia, we don't, we don't, we try not to hide the fact, but it is a contentious country, right? You know, we know that there's things going on there. We know that people are against potentially going to Saudi Arabia. Personally, I love the Saudi Arabian Formula Retrack. I think it's the best Formula Retrack that there is on the grid. And I, it kind of would be a shame to lose it, if that would make sense. But when... And we've had two good seasons there. We've had, you know, two two really good years there. Some really good races. Uh, three years, thank you very much. Um, we had two good years before that, and obviously the third one this year. You know, maths. Hard. So, but obviously there was this airstrike this year, so there was a problem. So I'm like, is this the time? Do we go, oh my God, Saudi Arabia is as bad, in air quotes, as possible and we shouldn't be racing in Saudi Arabia and maybe thinking about that is F1 a target because this missile was heading straight towards Saudi Arabia so technically you know Diria was the target maybe you know was formerly target we don't know we're not saying formerly was the target but there was a potential for a massive explosion let's say that missile does not get intercepted Jack there is a huge chance that we're watching the podium celebration and something, boom, something bad has happened. And we've got from a massive sporting success to a human tragedy. And I just think it's a fine line. And I know it can happen anywhere. And this is the thing that we want to discuss. This could happen anywhere. Any sporting event around the world is subject to a terrorist attack. But is this something that Formula E, you feel, need to address, need to look further into and actually, like, you know, come up with a investigation to prove that okay this stuff well we can't say it won't happen again but maybe it wasn't a direct attack on formula e per se or do you think you know they they can't surely they can't let this go underneath you know the rug and under the carpet well yeah i, I do see i do see that absolutely I, I and uh and i actually think that when formula one will go there like uh uh like what happened with formula e because when formula e announced it was going to say uh, saudi arabia there was a fair amount of backlash when Formula One announced that uh, they were going to Saudi Arabia. There was three to five times more backlash than there was beforehand, and I think that that's going to be replicated. I think that's going to be more three to five times more dangerous than pot potentially this was, uh, because it's because Formula One is a bigger event. Uh, I think, yes, I agree with you. Diria is the best track on the calendar. I I I absolutely love the. Um, uh, I think they were calling the bobsleigh section like going down the hill and uh, uh, what they were calling on the race weekend um 
But, uh, yeah, I, obviously it is an issue. The country is is renowned for having, well, human rights issues, unfortunately, which we are, which they are trying to better. And, and yeah, it's... um. It's a difficult one. They've got uh, seven years left on their contract now, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, obviously we 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 may not even be in Diria next season. They may head to. I think Neon was one of the places that they were considering, or or uh, uh, or something like that. But um, even then, uh, yeah, it is it is a risk to go to these countries. However, I think uh, especially for. Formula E, it's, I think it's a risk that they kind of have to take. Um, financially, is what it is is the first thing that comes to mind because Saudi Arabia are paying a lot to host that uh, to uh, to host the Formula E races, even more to do the Formula One races. And yes, there is this whole issue of sports washing, uh, especially in, especially in that region. We've got the Qatar World Cup uh, next November as well. Um, it's but yeah, I think. Yeah, it's these things are gonna happen, uh, and I th- thankfully this airstrike didn't happen. Weirdly, I didn't even know that there was an airstrike until um, a f- about five or six days after it was gonna happen. But um, uh, it's a weird one. But I think racing in Saudi Arabia is something that Formula E just does. Yeah, I think you bring up a huge issue though with the fight, and I'm not saying right financially that Formula E have just gone well money's more important who cares about ethics and who cares about morals who cares about that let's just go racing and get as much money as we can and keep this sport that we all love that is true we all love it you know financially stable for the future you know it's hard because you hear a lot of stories about Saudi Arabia, but these are good stories that I'm coming on to. You hear people going into and you know we I feel sorry for the people in Saudi Arabia because a lot of gigs, people have been going to Saudi Arabia for gigs now, and comedy shows and stuff like that, and big time comedians and, and bands have been going to places like Saudi Arabia to perform. And they're coming back and they're telling these stories that the people are so thankful, they're so grateful that, you know, they've never had this opportunity before to experience comedy, to experience music shows, to experience racing, football, whatever it is. And that they are incredibly grateful, but then it's, it's just a shame that things like this, you know, overshadow it. And it's it's even hard to bring this up as a the first talking point on this show. Like we could have just talked about the race and then ba- like vaguely mentioned that oh, by the way, this happened. But as a journalist, that's not the right thing to do, right? We had this was the main. St- unfortunately, whether we like it or not, this was the main story that came out of Saudi Arabia out of those two EPs because this is a human tragedy potential right and it, it was a potential to cure, cause human death not saying that that was the aim I'm not you know I'm not saying that it was aimed at Formula E you know it was just an airstrike that happened at the vicinity of Saudi Arabia where a Formula E race was taking place and that could happen anywhere as we've said but then you've got to as a journalist you've got to ask the question you've got to ask the question to Formula E you know, what are you doing? Are you looking into this? Are you, what are you doing to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again? I know it, this is out of Formula E's control and to say to Formula E, what can they do 
it, to prevent it is impossible, right? That's just impossible because they can't control someone sending off an air missile. But they need reassurances from Saudi Arabia, I would assume, that this won't happen again. Because we can't go in three years' time, right? We've gone back three, and then another one happens. You know, we still got a couple of years left on their contract. Do we still go? You know, do we go now? And those are the questions that I think need to be answered now. And I think Formula E just need those reassurances and they need to release those reassurances. They can't just get them behind the scenes because these questions will, will remain. If we go to Saudi Arabia, you know, it'll be a hot topic going into season nine of next season with Gen 3 or whatever, or season eight, sorry, before we get to season nine. You know, maths again, struggling. Uh, seven, eight, nine, right? But it will be a topic of conversation. Like, will something like that happen again? How can you, do you know that this won't happen again? And as a journalist, that is the question you have to ask. So that's why we started with it. I think we're going to move on now. We're actually going to talk about some racing, right? But that's, I just wanted to, you know, tell the viewers and tell everyone who's listening to this, like, why this is important and why we can't just overshadow this. And as journalists, why we have to answer the questions, uh, ask the questions um, to Formula E. Because if, it's, if no one does, then stuff like this just gets overshadowed. And I don't think, you know, if it went catastrophically badly, which we pray never happens, you know, people would be asking the question, well, why on earth are you there? And Formula E would be in a really tricky situation to get their one out of that one. But anyway, let's talk about some racing because Mercedes, oh my days, Nick DeFreeze, where has he come from? Last season he was good, right? Last season he was good, you know, and he was consistent, he had a bit of bad luck, but man, that first race weekend, dominating practice, dominating qualifying, winning the race, just wow. Um, for me, I'm thinking now that Mercedes must be um, one of the main contenders to challenge Tech Cheetah um, for this season's title, just from race one, because it was so dominant. I know Deria is quite a fast-flowing track, but that might suit them, Mercedes, when we go to some tracks like, you know, Valencia, Rome might be quite fast-flowing. So I think there's some tracks on there that might suit them. Maybe Paris might be a bit stop-start. Monaco might be a bit stop-start. Might not suit them. Who knows? We'll find out when we get there. But so far, Jack, Mercedes, they look good. Yeah, they were really, really impressive on uh, on day one in Diria. Um, yeah, Nick De Vries, as you said, FP1, FP2, group qualifying, Super Bowl, led every lap, won the race. You can't, you cannot get much better than that. Uh, than that, the the only thing he missed out on was the fastest lap, which coincidentally went to his teammate. Uh, admittedly, he used fan boost on it, so he didn't get the point. I think that went to to uh, Rene Rast in the end, but still, um, uh, but still, it shows that Mercedes were. Uh, were were a, are, are to be a contender this uh, this season, and and actually it was right. It was really unfortunate that the the day later when well we'll come on to this later on, but when Edo Motoa had his crash and Mercedes were pulled from qualifying, we couldn't see how good Nick was going to do in that qualifying session because going from Group One, it was going to be dirty, it was going to be dusty, but I reckon that he could have still. Well, I don't think he would have managed Super Bowl, but who knows? Maybe even a top ten on the cards from a dusty Group One would have been phenomenal for him. Uh, I think he did snag a couple of points in the second race, anyways. Um, uh, but yeah, they are they are definitely a force to be reckoned with uh, as we go on to the future, uh, as we go on throughout the season. For me, it was interesting because you know that second race. Let's let's flip the switch because Tech Cheetah, right? 
who we're saying is the you know the main comp- well this the favorite is always the favorite they have to always be the favorite even though they're using the season six powertrain um but obviously their season seven powertrain comes into effect in rome but you know i, we, I think personally maybe you and i were a bit worried about tech cheetah going into you know the first race they were didn't qualify great you know they didn't race great but the second race they came on strong with their season six powertrain now we're saying mercedes could be the main challengers but we don't know what Tech Cheetah's powertrain will look like. We don't know if it'll... And you'd expect it to be a step up. But how much of a step up is it going to be? Are they going to step up? Do you think, you know, they're going to step up and Mercedes will like, oh, yeah, we thought Mercedes would be title contenders, but now that we've seen everyone's Season 7 powertrain, we were kidding ourselves and Tech Cheetah looked brilliant. Or do you think Mercedes may have done enough development to actually, you know, match Tech Cheetah and be with Tech Cheetah in their season seven powertrain because yes it's close time-wise and you i don't know what gap or how much we're expecting of a gap to tech cheetah to make a mercedes to make because they were both very quick last season so how i just what i want to know i do you think tech cheetah will jump and you know lead the field again or do you think you know they will be evenly matched going into this season yeah i it's it's going to be an interesting one i think with the season seven powertrain which is coming in in rome I think that it's going to make it. Um, I I I think that they're going to go a step above the rest. I can't. Oh, well, after their Diria two performance, um, I can't. Uh, I can't see it not happening really. After um after the first um no before the first uh, qualifying session, I said uh, because uh, because we because we we were in Discord, we were chatting about it at the time. I said that the two to cheaters wouldn't even get top 20 on the grid going from group one and they didn't they didn't qualify in the top 20 until Sergio said the camera crashed and the Blomqvist Cassidy and Muller's times were disqualified so thank you Sergio you lost my little bet yeah, which which was a worry, and I suppose that's the qualifying system. And there's one team that also haven't put out a season seven powertrain, is Nissan, and who was the man that was fastest in that qualifying group, which was Ollie Rowland, right? So straight away we're thinking, okay, Tech Cheetah look good. You know they look in a good position. They look quick in that season six powertrain. They did a really good race, in in, in the second race. But Ollie Rowland was the quickest driver in both Group 1s on the Friday and the Saturday. So that's got to tell you that the Nissan powertrain is still a very good powertrain. And that, you know, they could be a contender going into season this season as well. Once that Rome, that powertrain's come in, I think it'd be really interesting to see what, one, Rowland can do, because he looked very quick. But can we ever count out Bohemi? He's sort of been the silent man. The silent man that sort of, you know blitz Formula E in those first couple of seasons and then season four season five is kind of falling away season six like he's there or thereabouts you know he's doing his he's doing his bits but it's not the Bohemi of old like could this be if Nissan have the car I think it's a big season for Bohemi because I feel like he's got to step up Roland looks like he started this season strong and I just I want to see something from Bohemi but what do you think on Nissan yeah Nissan is Nissan, I think when they take their next, uh, uh, when they take the powertrain in Rome, I think that they will, they will step it up. Uh, I was also um, shockingly surprised by Dragon. Uh, I'll get, I'll, I'll get onto that in, in in a little bit later on. But um, 
But yeah, no, Nissan, I think um, we saw them, well, we saw Oli take his first win in Berlin uh, last year. And the thing is, he's just been growing like like every time he gets in the, every time he gets in the car when he t- when he started um in Deria back in season 5 with, with his first full-time seat i think he finished 6th or 7th in that first race and he took his first pole position later on in that season and then last year he took his first win i wouldn't be surprised to see Ollie Rowland compete for the championship um Seb Buemi i mean i i i don't want to say that he's he's getting on a bit but um Ollie is definitely a lot younger, and so I, I so and so yeah, I think he's more capable of fighting for that title. But uh, but yeah, Seb Wemmy, he's he, he's always there or thereabout. He's always gonna have he's always gonna have a say in it. But um, yeah, the, those teams that are still got their season six powertrains, which are Tachita, Nissan, and Dragon, they were they all did exceptionally well in Diria, and so I'd like to see. What what step they're gonna take going forward when they go to Rome? Because like even Dragon, when they would like know what they would they had absolutely nothing in season six. They're using the same powertrain, but something's changed. Something has seriously changed for them to get into Super Bowl uh, on uh, on both days technically. Yes, the other one was disqualified. Uh, day one was disqualified um, because one of the, the other Dragon went in the wall. But um, but yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, I I think those three teams, something big should be coming soon. For me, I think it's always about optimizing packages. So what you know, Mark Preston, who's very good at this, will always talk about is optimizing software. And I think maybe for Dragon, maybe for Nissan, even Tech Cheetah, right? One reason why they could be is that obviously they're still they're allowed to sort of maybe optimize the software, and then obviously that software that they've optimized can go straight into the season seven powertrain because you know they've made it better. Hopefully the season power seven powertrain is a bit more efficient, and it, that all helps. It all helps them make them quick. So maybe that spending that time, just making the season six powertrain better, while also developing the season seven powertrain in the off season could be huge actually and because they've got a better understanding better knowledge of the powertrain all of that data and all of that information can be easily transferred because it's software you can update software as much as you like in formula e that you know those teams could have developed from that whereas other teams maybe you know forget about you look at new software for you know the, the new powertrain it's basically like a new cycle obviously they take old stuff and bring it over but they're obviously you know looking at new stuff because it's a new powertrain like why wouldn't you um so I really find, think that is going to be interesting to watch. But another team I want to talk about, Jack, and another race-winning team, to my surprise, um, was Jaguar. Because, you know, I, I'm guilty. I'll put my hands up, right? I wrote it in the FEZ magazine. I had no confidence in Jaguar. I had absolutely no confidence in Jaguar because they had, a, they had an atrocious testing. Well, I say atrocious. They were clearly sandbagging. Thank you very much, James Barkley, for sandbagging and making me think there was a story there. But, yeah, Sandbird wins the race. Um, and uh, I'm just, I can't believe that I, I, I wrote that they're the biggest surprise of the season, potentially, but they end up winning a race in the first weekend. But... I want to talk about the qualifying system slightly. I think they're they're a good car. I, I'm not going to say they're a bad car. They've won a race, right? I still don't have 100% faith in them that they're the best car in the field. I feel like there's a couple of cars ahead of them. Merc, potentially, Tech Cheetah, Nissan, maybe. You know, 
uh, so there's a couple there that maybe might be slightly ahead of Jaguar, but not by much. You know, we're talking a couple of attempts here, which is always Formula E. Formula E is a couple of attempts. But do you think the qualifying system helped Jaguar? Because track, obviously, we saw how much of a disadvantage Group 1 was. And, you know, they were fairly much in the middle of the field, Jaguar. So they were able to get a good run, sort of sneak into Super Bowl. You know, they got the Super Bowl appearance, Super Bowl appearance in race one thanks to those disqualifications so that you know that all sort of helped um in their ability to get into super pole and obviously then win a race so do you think the qualifying system helped them or do you think you know they actually just have a solid car i think the qualifying system always helps those further down the order and i think that is the beauty of qualifying in formula e so as soon as um Bird and Lynn had their accident where they kind of, you know, kissed on um on Friday. It was it was evident at that point those two are going to have a good day tomorrow because uh because they would be in Group Four in qualifying. And so yeah, obviously uh Gunter Gunter also crashed out of that race, and so we uh, so those were the three to look out for. And of them, I think only Bird really properly capitalised. I. I can't remember if Lynn got into Super Bowl or not on on uh, day two, but yeah, ov- obviously the qualifying system always helps them. But the thing is, um, Jack, before that weekend, you said they'll finish thirteenth and seventeenth, and they've come out with a podium and a race victory. So um, egg on your face, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's yeah, they I, but yeah, I do agree. They they don't have the best car. Um, I think that the best car of that weekend was clearly the Mercedes and. The fact that Venturi got a podium with that Mercedes powertrain, it means that Mercedes powertrain are doing incredibly well. It is doing absolute bits right now, and I don't see it. But yeah, it's 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 okay. Like after that first race, like oh Mercedes dominated. Yeah, it's going to be just like F1. It's not. For, Formula E is predictably unpredictable. So I don't I don't see it. I don't see it going that way anytime soon. But Jaguar. They're all there about. They'll fall down the pecking order as we get to Rome because of the teams with their new powertrains coming in. But I think it's still going to be. They're still going to be one to watch out for, for, for the odd podium here or there. I think you make a good um, Venturi as a team to watch out for this season. Like, you know, Eduardo Mortara was quick. You know, Norman Nato wasn't too bad himself. You know. With that Mercedes powertrain, that team could do bits, Jack. Oh, uh, oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, Edo, yeah, obviously he had that accident on um, on day two, which meant that he couldn't race. Uh, but yeah, I th- I think that uh, yeah, I think that that, power- that that powertrain is quite something. And 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 in the Venturi, obviously Norman Nato, he took he took a little bit to get up to speed. He was down the he was down the order in in practice one and practice two but then he kind of got i think he got 13th in his first qualifying um and then obviously he won he wasn't allowed to take part in the qualifying on um on saturday but even then i mean it, i don't think it'll be too long before he he uh, he snags a point or two but uh yeah it, it it obviously it's obviously it's still about that building stage um to get um uh, to get into Formula E because as as we know Formula E is so so competitive it, and 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 it took drivers so like Neil, Neil Yarny took last year um until the penultimate race to to, uh, to even achieve something and we saw Andre Lotterer when he started it, it he couldn't get anything right in his first weekend in Hong Kong went to Santiago bam put it on pole position 
So talking about another team then, BMW, were they the biggest letdown of like the opening weekend? Because Gunther, you know, everybody said he was in the final group qualifying on Sunday, did nothing with it, mid-table. You know, Dennis, it's too early to talk about Dennis because it's his rookie race. You know, I know some rookies, Pascal Verline might, you know, come in and all guns blazing, it's amazing. You know, but, you know, normally, predictably, rookies take a bit of time to adjust to Formula E. So we can't really, you know, judge Jake Dennis yet. We probably need to judge him after Rome, probably, um, and after a couple of races mid-season to know if he's, you know, if he is developing, if he is improving, same with Cassidy and so forth. But... Unless you can maybe think Porsche, but at least Porsche, you know, Verline was there, you know, but then they didn't really do much in the race. So maybe, you know, they've got a car, but they've got to sort a couple of things out. But I think Porsche, for me, are leaps and bounds ahead of BMW. BMW, you know, for their final season in Formula E, I think it's a concern. I feel like if they if they were to say that they were leaving if after this season, if this season was to go as badly as it started, you could understand why they're leaving, because, yeah, we're, we're not very good, right? We've, we've done something wrong. We'll, we'll leave through the stage X, back, you know, back left door, whatever, right? Um, exit stage left. That's the that's the phrase I wanted to say, right? Um, but, uh, I can't believe I f- could not say that phrase. But anyway, never mind. For me, I just think because they've been so strong over these last two seasons in season five and season six and you know they arguably could have won a championship right because Gunther was on fire to see Gunther not on fire you know must show me that that cast there's something wrong with it well yeah I think they have to be the disappointment of Diria because they are the only team to leave Saudi Arabia without a point to their name and and, and this is a team who topped testing and so everything everything we looked at from testing has kind of been thrown on its head apart from when the dragons the dragons who came 2 and 3 in testing actually performed in Diria which was um which was a pretty damn good uh especially after the last few seasons that they have had and and as well props to props to Neo as well for getting two cars into Superpole uh my, my my local team there a couple minutes down the road so I, I was very happy to see them do well but yeah BMW yeah, it was a very disappointing weekend. I think Gunter was running in the points on Friday when he decided that he'd clip. Uh, well, uh, well, he 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 didn't just slam straight into the wall. He kind of clipped the inside of turn two, then went into the wall at turn three instead because he couldn't steer. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it was a very disappointing from uh, from that point of view. And then Gunter was. Um, was involved in that accident that uh, well not in directly in the accident that um that red flagged the race but he was involved in an accident in an accident at that corner about 10 seconds before that accident happened we'll speak about that i assume in a, in a couple minutes time but um nothing really came came of it for bmw that weekend um jake dennis i think he was in the final qualifying group for each um on each day and even though we thought BMW going into that weekend never missed a pole in Deria they'd had every single pole in Deria up to this uh, up to this season and it just didn't really come of it I'd actually said before that weekend you know Jake Dennis on pole position to keep that BMW run going because I knew that he was going to be in group four but it just never materialized I think he had a couple 
13 place starts or, uh, or 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 somewhere around there it just didn't really amount to anything and yeah Gunter he was knocked out in day one and and uh, yeah he he was involved in that accident in um day two so yeah I think BMW do have to have a long look at themselves in the mirror but it's not like they're so far off the pace that they need to kind of rethink some stuff uh, I think that they can come to Rome and they will at least get some points on the table. Yeah, oh, let's talk about the crashes because there was something I think not that's just the crashes because let's talk about the crashes. Let's I think a learning point I feel and I think maybe a lot of others might feel um from Formula E because let's go back to, you know, the free practice crash with Eduardo Mortara which then caused Venturi and Mercedes not to participate in qualifying due to some breaking issue that hadn't been resolved or software glitch that needed to be resolved in the breaking. But for me, we watched, everybody watched Eduardo Mortara go straight on and hit the wall. And there was like absolutely no sort of like coverage on it. It was like, oh, Eduardo Mortara said, oh, that's a bad one. And the, you know, and the, the Formula E didn't really know what to do in that situation. And we sort of, you know, because of practice, it's only like a, they only speak for like five minutes after the, the show. And I, I feel like at that point, that was a poor decision because we were left on a massive cliffhanger. Where, knowing whether or not Eduardo Mortara and everyone's then jumping onto social media, right, to find out. Is Eduardo Mortara okay? Has something bad happened? Everyone asking unbelievably questions. Oh my God, they didn't show anything. Because, you know, so that means something really bad has happened. And people just jump, and and quite rightly so. Some people will jump to the worst conclusion because because we know now from Formula 1, after Jules Bianchi, if something is not shown, this is pretty serious, right? So I felt like Formula E should have, you know, made something aware and maybe ended the show with a statement saying right you know about if Edwin Motor is okay if he's not okay what's going on but I felt like it was just completely glossed over and nothing was then said and we didn't know but you know if they cut to a shot of Edwin Motor getting out of the car you know even if he's walking gingerly right we know okay he's hurt but he's okay right he's not going to perish from this and it was the same, I think, Jack, with the Alex Lynn crash, right? Red flag, right? We haven't really seen the incident for the red flag, okay? Not much is going on. We now know that Alex Lynn slid on the ground upside down into the wall, right? That's what we know, okay? So, let's put it this way. The medical team are not going to keep Alex Lynn upside down in his car for 10-15 minutes, right? They're not. So, you know, we had a podium celebration and people on Twitter are like, how can you have this podium celebration which looks so celebratory but we haven't seen if Alex Lynn is okay. We haven't had any mention of Alex Lynn being okay. We haven't seen Alex, but we're all celebrating like, he's fine. Like, there's no problem here. Nothing nothing to see here. Let's enjoy our podium and let's say bye and, and so forth, right? And I feel like there must have been a shot in that time, but, the, you know, the crash had happened, the safety car, the toll two minutes, then getting into Park Ferme, then doing the interviews, then getting onto the podium. There must have been a shot to see if Alex Lynn was out of the car. And 
walking. There must have been something to have checked because, in my opposite opinion, I think he, with the state of the accident, it was a bad accident, but I don't think it was that bad of an accident, if that makes sense. I feel like the survival cell and everything that the Formula E car did its job. So I think we've seen worse crashes than that in Formula E and in other motorsport series. You know, in hindsight, I think he would have been okay and I think he would have got out. And I think because we never saw that shot of him out and okay, you know, a lot of people, Jack, took to social media after the race, going absolutely crazy, thinking, oh my God, we nearly lost Eduardo Mortara. Now we we don't know about Alex Lynn. Like, what the hell is going on? When maybe just a shot, maybe just something, you know, to say Alex Lynn is okay. Here he is. All is good. And then we go on with our lives. Yeah, there was, um, if I remember correctly, there was a mention, Jack said, whilst um, uh, Sam was walking to the podium, that, that uh, Alex was uh, Alex was being rushed off to hospital, uh, but he's but uh, but he was okay. But that 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 was that was all we really got. And yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Eduardo Mortara thing. It was like it was like come back in an hour to find out whether Eduardo's okay. It it, it wasn't it wasn't kind of it 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 wasn't really in keeping in terms of like the proper feel of of um of uh what was uh, uh what was happening uh the the eduardo mortara crash actually made uh, made me think about um sorry uh carlos Sainz's accident in russia in practice i think in 2015 when he just went when he just went into the wall and went underneath the barriers and yeah that was um uh, a weird one but I think the main thing to take away from these is that they are freak accidents that they they are unlikely to be repeated uh, again and uh, the Mercedes cars were allowed to take part in the race which meant that they were uh, which meant that the powertrains had um, had, uh, had been fixed and they'd been cleared by the FIA they were safe to run but um, but uh, yeah and um, and but yeah, with the with the extended runoff time with um with the with the uh, with the race broadcast ending at at uh, ha- uh, half past the hour, uh, I think that there would have been enough to, um enough time to sh- ru- okay, go like okay look away now if you don't want to see this, but yeah this is more or less what but but uh, but then again actually there wasn't any. There wasn't actually any camera footage of that. It was CCTV, wasn't it? So, it was CCTV and one marshal on on his phone or some or something like that. There was, there was no real footage that they could grab of it. So, the only they they were only able to post it when they'd actually got the CCTV camera out in the end. Um, but yeah, no, I think the main thing to take away from these 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 were freak accidents. I, th- I I think it's unlikely for both of them to happen again at any point uh but yeah the the main thing is that both edo and alex are okay and they'll be back for rome yeah for me seeing the crash isn't important right it's just that shot of even if it is alex lynn up getting in an ambulance being seen by a doctor right and and someone getting a camera down there you know worst comes to worst you send a cameraman down there to try and catch a glimpse of him and they go dude you know this ain't good right and then you go right that's fine but if there's a chance to get a shot of him up and well sitting there it just puts so many people i feel at ease and i feel like that was just missed and i feel like a real missed opportunity and it's just something i think formula research should learn because 
I just it was it was so hard to like go through Twitter and see so many people unsure questioning and just stop all of that. A simple shot could stop all of that. If there's no shot, then we know something's proper up and we're we're sending all our thoughts and prayers, right? But it was like leaving us on a cliffhanger and not coming back till Rome in six weeks' time and like 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 what like when are we going to find out like how are we going to know like and then you're just obsessed looking at your computer screen waiting to find out information when really and truly the information was already there that he was okay and he was fine and he was taken to hospital to which ended up probably being precautionary checks right just to check that there was nothing broken and just a couple of x-rays here and there just to see if everything was okay and everything was fine that's probably what happened right in in the short term or in what actually happened, but it felt like it could have been so much worse, and I just feel like we didn't need that, if that made sense, Jack. But I think for a first podcast back, is this our first podcast of 2021? Who knows? It can't be. No, it's not. That's a lie. Is? Is? No way. No. Apparently. Who knows? It feels like we've been away second. Jack's going, Jack's in my ear going, it's the second one. Um, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But... It's been so long since we've done one, so it feels like the first one. But thank you, Jack, so much for coming on, chatting with me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Pleasure as always. And And that is pretty much all we have time for today. Thank you so much. If you're really enjoying the content, please remember to hit the the subscribe button uh, and the like button. And... You can obviously support us on Twitter as well. You can come and follow us on there if you haven't done so already. Um, But thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the FEZ Show. Thank you so much. And goodbye. (laughs) 